Hello, I'm Boyd Hilton, the presenter of the Heat Unmissables podcast, which is available every Tuesday on your iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And this is a special At Lunch With podcast in which I interview Russell Tovey, the actor, the superstar, the legend, over lunch at a fashionable London West End restaurant for about 25 minutes. And we talk about him in Angels in America and the film he's in at the moment and the TV stuff he's doing at the moment. And it's a general chat and you will hear a lot of background noise of people having lunch at the restaurant we're in. That's kind of the idea. Hopefully this will be a regular series of specials. So enjoy me, Boyd Hilton, at Lunch With Russell Tovey. So I'm joined by Russell Tovey. Hello. Welcome to the Heat Unmissables podcast. Thanks. Um, in case you're wondering what the background noise is, we are in there. We're having lunch. We just had lunch at a nice restaurant in glamorous central London. Are we allowed to say what happened to you just now? Yeah, go on. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to name the restaurant, but Boyd just uh, was having a mouthful of omelette <laughs> and, and chewed on a staple. He got it was... it caught between the gap in his teeth, his Madonna gap, and uh, <laughs> it took him about five minutes to pull it out of his mouth. So they've given us our lunch for free. Yeah, bonus. Yeah, it was yeah. quite scary. But it was worth it. He nearly worth... died but we got free Yeah, we nearly died, but it's worth it. It's worth it for a chat with you as well. Um, so we should say, um, you're, in, you're actually in three things at the moment. Am I? Yeah, you're in Angels in America yeah. on, on the National Theatre in London. Yes. You're in um, Quantico, which is still going, I believe, isn't it? Yes. On Alibi. Yes. On the Alibi channel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you're in Mindhorn, the film. Oh, yeah. Which is out in cinema. Did you see? I am, yeah. yeah. Oh well, it doesn't God. seem like the way to you because you did those other things. Yeah, I just suppose I'm doing the play. Yeah, um, but we're really talking about the play, mainly talking about the play, okay. which I reviewed in last week's podcast, and I said was absolutely brilliant. How many stars Five did you stars, give it? Oh yeah, Five stars. Yeah, sweet. Thanks. Um, but I know for a fact that this, so this play, which is yeah. Angels, is one of the big themes of it, and a lot of it is set, set in New York yeah. in the eighties, mm. and a lot of it revolves around this Bethesda fountain in New York, which is one, which is your favourite place in the world. I happen to know. Yeah. So is that because of this play that, that you got to know that place or is it just coincidence that, that, that you're now doing this play where that's a key part no I saw Angels in America the HBO TV show when I was about 17 and then between the ages of 17 and up to about a year ago I probably watched it about 10 times all the way through it's my favourite TV show I've ever seen it's one of the best things I've ever seen I think it's amazing and I became obsessed because in the opening credits Bethesda Fountain appears and at the end of the whole piece they're at Bethesda Fountain and when I first worked they're doing the History Boys 10 years ago, 11 years ago now, 11 and a half years ago. At the National. At the National, but then we took oh, it to Broadway. Oh, right. Where I was living in New York, I was right next to Central Park, near the fountain. I used to go running around the park every day, and I used to salute her. And, and I've got photos over the years of me with friends, family, lovers, ex-lovers, my dog, selfies with the Angel Bethesda. And I feel like when this play came up, it was offered to me, and it was the easiest yes I've ever said, because I've slightly astral projected this to happen. I right. feel like, and that, that fountain has been such a, like, mecca for me, such a place, like, I go to, and it's, whenever I go back to New York, I, that's where I go back to, and I, I check in there with her, and it's, it's just become a thing. And in, in Quantico, they even shot a scene for me. Wow the fountain because the, the showrunner Josh Sapin said what do you want I said I want to film Bethesda Fountain it's always been my dream and he made, wrote this scene that oh. did, had no reason to be at Bethesda Fountain Central Park and they had to shut down a bit of the park but it was there and it That's was beautiful it was awesome it have was you just... seen the end of John Wick 2 by the way no why? John Wick 2 starring Keanu Reeves is entirely set the ending is around Bethesda Fountain really yes you'd love it you've got to see it I'm going to I'm, anyway. I'm going to work my way through the first of John Wick 1 yeah. and then just to get you know to the end what? of John you don't Wick have 3. to see John Wick 1 oh, wow, no okay. you work it out okay. 
Yeah, it's all right, good. Um, so, Angels in America, so you've been obsessed with this play, this story, yeah. Yeah. for years and years, effectively. Yeah. You're written by Tony Kushner. Correct. Um, and so let's talk about your role. In, in the HBO show, Al Pacino's in it, Meryl Streep's in it. Who played yeah. your role in the... Uh, Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson. Yes. And so did you, because you, that must be so vivid in your mind, did you have to blank that out when you got this part and, you, and do your version of it? Or you just... Well, I'll tell you what it was, is that I felt like if HBO had made it and it, it became this like benchmark show then whatever they were doing in it must be the definitive way of performing and playing that part and when I got offered Joe uh, I read the script and it, it the, everyone else's writing is more um, fluid and theatrical whereas Joe was very staccato and the way he's written is very contained but that's his personality and his character and to begin with, I was struggled, and I thought, well, if, if, if the way that he's done it has got to be the way you do it. But actually, there's lines in the play which didn't come across, I feel like, in a TV show, where he comes home and his wife says, when you come home, you look mean and hard, and I'm always surprised about how you look, because the character's been off cruising and looking for men, and he hates himself, and he hates the side of him, and he thinks it's... He's a pervert. He thinks he's like the, the worst person ever. And he comes back. And in the TV show, that didn't really land with me, looking back. So when this stuff comes up, I, I suddenly... you do. It was present with me for the first couple of weeks, but you scrap that away, and then you really delve into him. And he's, he's a lot more complicated and, and darker, and he has a lot more rage than uh, I feel like... Patrick Wilson did it, but I think Patrick Wilson was amazing. Yeah. I'm not, not taking that sure. away from him, but I had to find my own route into him. And I think we had like 12 and a half weeks of discovering and delving into these characters. And my Joe is, I think, different to Patrick's Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he, yeah, we should say he's like a buttoned up, conservative, yeah. Mormon, Mormon. Um, and totally like closeted, yeah, closeted homophobe. Married, yeah. homophobe, yeah, yeah. Married to his, his wife, played by Denise Goff, yeah. the brilliant Denise Goff. Yeah. Um, and he's a lawyer, he's working in. Law working for Nathan Lane's character in, in the well, he, he their, their connection is the fact that Nathan Lane has become like a father figure and has right. and has put work his way and manipulated situations and set him up with people to further his career, which has been great to have someone in the world who's done that for you. And Joe has blinkered himself to what Roy Cohn stands for. He's someone who's very much ambitious and is able to compartmentalise a lot of his a lot of his life and a lot of what he is and that's what he does in his private life anyway so yeah it's interesting that Nathan Lanskin so Roy Cohn is a real is a real life yeah, figure yeah. who um, was mentor to Donald Trump yeah um, is that, that, and that does feel like an incarnate even though it's not mentioned in the play Donald Trump's not mentioned in the play no. quite of course no. but there's, like, everyone's aware of it it does give it a, and there's a lot of modern parallels on there it's talking about well you'd think this play was written in 95, 96 and the world would have gone on but you watch this show now and it's it is never been more relevant what's going on like whatever they're going through there it's going through now people are uh, having funding taken away people are being ostracised uh, politically we're in the same situation it's dark you know and, and you know what happened to Roy Cohn is that he was uh, someone who hated gays hated himself but was um, homosexual was, was had sex with a lot of men he had sex with men but he refused to call himself a homosexual he was yes. furious when anyone yeah because yeah. he didn't he felt like in, a, in the political world if you are labelled as gay it means you have no clout you are, you are nothing because in politics you can't even pass gay laws you don't even get any rights so he didn't want to be labelled as that but he was 
gay and mm. then he was mentor to Donald Trump then he got AIDS and Donald Trump completely ditched him completely wow. got rid of him and, wow. but then Roy Cohn would not admit that he had AIDS we told everyone he had liver cancer and which is a big part of the play really isn't it his yeah. decline his, his um, you know becoming ill and all of that and how he deals with it is, is an intriguing part of the whole yeah, play totally. uh, it's an obvious question I'm not going to ask it anyway what, yeah. I mean for me Nathan I love Nathan Lane yeah, yeah, I kind of watch everything he's ever done what is he like what's he like what, you have a lot of scenes with him yeah he's wonderful he's just I'll tell you what Nathan Lane loves which I realised and I was I was always like I, I loved his work especially the birdcage and yes. the producers and but I didn't want to fangirl around him yeah because I didn't want him to be under pressure or feel like eye rolly around me and feel like I'm just someone who's a bit of a fan yeah but then one day I braved myself and I was like, I'm going to ask him questions about what was it like working with Robin Williams? What was this like? Because I'm obviously a massive Robin Williams fan and he was made me want to do it all. And he he like lit up and told Did me he? stories oh. and I was like, oh, brilliant. So then every other day I would come and ask him a question about something that I'd been burning and, and holding back. And he would light up and oh, he would nice. tell me these anecdotes and he would come alive and be so happy to pass some information and and my questioning delving more and more did the opposite to aggravating him it made him oh, it, it made him blossom and I was like that is a really good thing to know oh, so he's nice. someone you know he's come here and he's doing this show and I think we're all we're all very much like well we, I don't want to make him feel awkward by like asking him too many things about how exciting his career and stuff's been we want to make sure that he doesn't feel like under pressure yeah. and I think for a few weeks he might have been put out that no one really was asking him questions as soon as you ask him something it's like oh great oh you do know what I've done and, right, right. and, it, and it that's was, very English isn't it but British people to like be on eggshells a little bit yes. with a big to be like, oh, no, I, wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to ask him I wouldn't want to say anything right. in case they're like oh leave me alone yeah. he is the opposite yeah. and but I just love to him. see him doing because this is like a I mean he's funny isn't it but there's a lot of, but there's a lot of dark. incredibly dark yeah, stuff isn't it to see him doing that, so I, I thought it was incredible. To watch it's great, it's great, and he and he gets the he gets to do it all in this show. You know, he starts off the show and he has this whole phone monologue where he's having like multiple conversations yeah. and switching between characters. Yeah. And I'm sort of sat there watching it, and the audience lap it up, and that is him in his that is Nathan Lane just yeah. like showing his prowess, what he's about, yeah, totally. and how, why he's Nathan Lane. Yeah, you know, and and then but then he, then the character, you know. Slips as all these characters. The characters. I mean, this one of the best written plays ever. Our journeys. Everybody's yeah. journeys is amazing. And he, so he gets the opportunity to do it all and to see him like macabre, dark, and and fucked up, but still able to deliver funny lines. Is is that's a it's gift? It's a gift. So. And the play is an it's an absolutely emotional. Role. I mean, apart yes. from anything else, it's seven and a half, eight hours long. It's in two parts, three and a half hours. I think it's more like four and a half hours. The second part. I know it's officially four. You got three into the two intervals as well. So that's yeah. another like. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, for, but for you being in it, a you're pushed to the emotional limits yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, B, it's it gru- must be a grueling theatrical marathon. Yeah. So what, how do you feel like you're, you're exhausted? Uh, do you? Yeah. yeah, totally exhausted. I mean, we had press night the other week, and thank the heavens, thank Angel Bethesda that we got in great, amazing reviews, and it's been 
solidified as the show because this is the most hype play, yeah. the most hype thing I've ever been in, and completely sold out before it's even started rehearsals. I signed up at the beginning of 2016, so if this play would have come out and it would have got like two stars, which I think it did in the Times actually. <laughs> the but, Times, are the only one. Yeah, but forget everyone that, else. Forget that yeah. one. But if it had got like across the board, if it had been like mediocre, lukewarm reception, that would have been, yeah, apart from embarrassing, just a shame. Right. Yeah. So it's been uh, it's been amazing just yeah. to be a part of it. But yes, it's exhausting. So after press night was out of the way, I think we all were very relieved that we didn't have to come in and rehearse every day and still take the show and perform it in the evenings because it's been the most intense I've ever worked on anything but it's it's paid off and, and so it's ours we should say it's so complicated yeah. isn't it? like there's loads of like yeah. in terms of the sets at the start with there's like three yeah. different sets all going in and out and yes then... but we were lucky because in the rehearsal room we had so there's three revolves oh, in right. the first, so we had that in the rehearsal room if we oh, hadn't okay. had that, that the tech would have been another two weeks longer just to try and get us in right. there and understand how it's all going to work so we had a lot of we were benefited with the setup in the rehearsal room beforehand just to know the geography of what the show's going to be but yeah, it is. It's so. How do you deal with it you, when the show, when you're not actually performing? Do you sleeping? Are you? How are you dealing with it? Are you unwinding? Well, after I've left you, I'm going to go home and have a power nap, and then Good. I'm going to go to theatre. Yeah. And take a walk down there and do the show, and it's about yeah energy levels right. and making sure you're not tired. You can't do this play tired. Right. I've done it a couple of times where I've been tired, and you. It's frustrating, but you you can't. It's tough. It's tough. You have to be top of your game in this. This yeah. is going to be one of them shows that you really have to. And a lot of actors say, "I've got to look after myself." But you do. You've got. You really can't. This yeah. is not the sort of thing where you can go and do like a zumba class and then go and do a play because it's it takes too much out of you and it's such an emotional thing and everybody is like giving it yeah, all. Totally. So and slight spoiler alert, but um, it has been mentioned in a couple of views. You are naked in it, obviously. Yeah. I mean, not all know, the way through. Not one, no. Only in one scene. Yeah. Um, any special? I mean, you know, for the audience again, spoiler alert. We, we only see your bum. We don't see your full, oh, yeah. full um, genital area. Mm. But you have to be careful, don't you? I guess to not like accidentally well, get it out. You don't uh, have to be careful. Well, I mean, the character is American, and I'm not, and he's a Mormon, so he'd be circumcised, and I'm not. That's uh, key. Key. So realism. That, I mean, that would be. I'm not that method. Um, but you know, you see me bum. If you see me bits, you see me bits. I'm not like. I'm not. My, my only thing about that was we, we discussed it and actually I was talking to someone the other day and, and every production of Angels in America Joe when he gets naked you never see his his dick you only right. ever see his butt and that must be a reason because you that scene where he does that is so emotional and, and he's bearing his soul on himself that as soon as you see a penis on stage it becomes about oh look there's, that's what Russell Tovey's penis looks like absolutely oh there you go yeah. and that becomes what that scene's about. That becomes what a section of a play is about. This is where you're going to see the guy's dick, and it didn't would want be a that. huge distraction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. huge, <laughs> huge, <laughs> yeah. humongous distraction. Yeah, oh, that makes total sense. Yeah. That so that's so we talked about it, right? And then we decided not to because you want to serve the play and in yeah. some ways when you do see a dick on stage it does take you out of it yeah you're right absolutely right yeah it would have done yeah, it yeah. Would have done. yeah. yeah. sensible move thanks the butt is one thing but it doesn't take us completely out of it no, no it's just there yeah, yeah. it's just a yeah, bit, yeah. bit of flesh isn't it <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely yeah um, and in terms of the play goes on to like August but it is you said it's sold out but it is on NT Live isn't it showing NT it. Live is in July there's two parts please check the National Theatre website because right now I can't remember the dates I believe it's head. the 20th and the oh. 27th of July 
ago. Yes, Recent. I remembered it. Oh, Good. Yeah. Right, so that's that. So you can get tickets to see that. They do a ballot every week. Yeah. Thing is where you can yeah, get, get released sixteenth every week. Yeah. Or you can go and get returns. You can go and queue up. So there is opportunity. But I think if you're not in London or coming to London, then NT Live is the thing because that's an international. So they're going to be showing it all around the world at different screens and. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just touching quickly on those other things, the um, A Quantico has been is a big hit like, around the world, isn't it? Yeah. And you know, you're in the second season, you're a big star of the second season. Yeah. Do you know if you're going to go back? Do you, is that been decided yet, or is that up in the still air? Still waiting to hear. Okay. Still waiting to hear if it, what's happening, if they're going to pick it up or not. Um, I, I really enjoyed doing it. I thought it was really fun to be able to do a network TV show. Again, exhausting because they don't have. Uh, work hours they just keep filming it's because it's because the way it's set up is like yeah but I guess it's like a soap is that your episode would be out two weeks later so if you've got a, uh, an episode and there's stuff that needs to be filmed and suddenly there's like rain and the scene is meant to be sunny you have to change the script rather than wait because you've got no other time to pick it up so you would then shoot until like 4 a.m. some days which wow. in the first week I was like saying to everyone like well, it's because the first week and it's, it's taking its time like everyone's trying to get into the groove and they're like no no this is what it is this is what it's going to be and I was like what but I'm here for like seven and a half months and we're going to be I was, I was terrified at the beginning but you know it evens out yeah but it's, but, um, and the experience of being in a prime time, you know, network American show must yeah, be. Yeah, well, it's, it's. I've never been on TV at the same time as filming the TV show, so that right. was a new experience. Right. That was cool to kind of walk around and people are watching it and you're still filming it. That's good. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a different thing being in like a prime time like network TV show in the states. It's, yeah. I always wanted to do it, and it's been great. I did a cable show and this and. Yeah, it's, Looking, it's a different yeah. beast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the film, mind on, which is the funny thing about the film. Did you know? I wanted to put a picture of you in the film in the magazine, and they wouldn't let me have any pictures of you. You're embargoed. Yeah, so well, I, out, well, I, it was considered such a thing that you were such a different character in it, and visually what you look like. They wouldn't try, let me have one. Is that why? Because yes. at the beginning, like I saw the first trailer. And I wasn't in it. And I was like, do they hate me? Am I, am I really crap? And then they were like, we want to do lots of press. And they, they come by my age and said, oh, well, you do loads of interviews and stuff. I was like, you haven't even got me in the trailer. Why do you suddenly want me to do all the interviews? They were like, oh, no, we're trying to hold you back as like a special surprise. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> my ego was like, okay, no, you can't do any press with me. You don't even like me. Enough to put me in the thing. But, but he's a very different character for you. Yeah, he's a very different character. Yeah, because yeah. he's like the kind of like the villain, isn't he? Like, and, and, yeah. And... and and also the heart. Yeah, the heart. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That we, uh, yeah. So that was muscle. How do you how do you enjoy it? You, yeah, I love. Yeah. I really enjoy that. Isle of Man's a bonkers place. So it was good to be there. Julian Barrett, Simon Farnby. I love. I loved everybody working on it. Uh, I love my. I love the character. He's like out there. They really wanted me to send him up. They really wanted me to go big on it. And yeah. but he's got a lot of pathos and heart. And he's. He's a simpleton, you know. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and that was that was nice to play a simpleton because uh, I, I used to play a lot of simpletons, like love, lovable dickheads. So I was always like an, an idiot. Right. Always oh, been a okay. bit of a, oh, okay. a knob. This must be the most simple simpleton that you played. Mate. Yeah. This yeah, is probably sure. the most medical simpleton <laughs> I've played. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. And so this, so Angels in America goes on to what, August? Like? August 19th, yeah. August 19th, and so is it, are you considering anything, do you know what you're doing after that, or is it all up in the air? Oh, it's things, don't know, up in the air. <laughs> okay. We've just, like, opened, I think I've been left alone while we've been rehearsing sure. now, this stuff. I've just did, um, 
the other day I did a monologue for Mark Gatiss for something called Queers oh, yeah. on BBC4, on BBC, yeah. which I've done. And so that's like a series of short Yeah, they're monologues. like 15-minute like monologues, right. like talking heads. Right. Uh, and I did one, and Ben Wishaw did one, Rebecca Front, Gemma Whelan from Game of Thrones, uh, and a bunch of other amazing people. And that will come out on BBC4 August sometime yeah, but they, right. I think they're going to do like two a night right. for a week or something right. I don't really know how they're going to do it and then the, the old bit they're doing monologues so there's going to be a night where you they'll get performed at the old oh, bit cool. whoever's available to do it right, so right. Okay. hopefully I'll be able to do that I'll be around to do that I'm off the show and Brilliant. but that and, was really fun and this is um, well, the, you know The Unmissables is about pop culture and TV I know you're a huge consumer of te- television you yeah. like to, what, are you, what are your favourites at the moment or recent stuff well yeah I was just talking to you about this I've just finished uh, Big Little Lies, which I thought yeah. was amazing How TV. Was Absolutely yeah. loved it. But I'm now, uh, I think it's only three episodes in, on uh, Little Boy Blue. Yes. Which, the first episode, I had, like, a migraine from sobbing so much. Stephen Graham, I adore everything he does. But Sinead Keenan is killing it, who was my girlfriend Nina in Being Oof. Human. So yeah. I've known her for years. And she is sensational, yeah. wonderful. Like, it should springboard amazing amazing like opportunities for her because yeah. she's an amazing phenomenal actress and she's she should be like well, she will be she's, yeah. she's yeah, just it's, a brilliant it's like yeah. it's a brilliant role yeah. for Little Boy Blue it's, it's, it's a true story yeah it's about Reese Jones yeah, in Liverpool about 11 years ago who got caught in the crossfire of like gang yeah. gangs I mean the, the gang members are all like kids themselves yeah. so, like, 16, 17, 18 and in Liverpool it's, but it as a drama it's so well made yeah, so yeah. well made and the acting is incredible but I, I love Sinead I just I texted the other day and I just said you're just so so good in this so it's been and who's your favourite in Big Little Lies uh, I really like um What's the girl from Insurgent? What's her bloody name? Reese Witherspoon? No. No, I mean, I think oh, Reese Witherspoon from Insurgent. Brilliant. I love, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, I love um, the fact that she's so yeah, kind yeah. of like catty with yeah. everyone and just, yeah. I love that. I love, I love, um, uh, Renata Klein, I just yes. love that name. It's yes. such a like, a, like a great name. But um, what's her name? The Sh- her name. Shaheen Woodley. Shaheen Woodley. Oh, thank she God we remembered. Is yeah. the brilliant. real deal. Yeah. And what about uh, Little Boys? Oh, he's a brilliant yeah. actor. Brilliant so actor. Good. And I like Reese Witherspoon's little girl. Who's always got like Bluetooth to yeah. the music, and this yeah. every scene is like turning music. Oh, I've got a question to ask you actually because I've caught up with Towie because I know you're oh, a yeah. Towie fan. Yeah. Are they sponsored by Visa? Why is it whenever they pay for food oh. or drink, they do this whole thing where? They got. Do you know what it'll be? It is. It'll be. Um, you know, on ITV now, you can have advertising within the show. You can. So companies it's just can like pay. It becomes yeah. a big thing when it comes yeah. to paying. Product it goes paid. Yeah. Product placement. And I'm it's like, I'm like yeah. why are we zooming in on of someone course. paying yeah, their product? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Yeah. You know, like yeah, like in the James Bond films, so they suddenly have a bottle of Heineken. And clearly, I'm going to pay millions. Now you can do that on ITV, yeah. So that will probably be, yeah. Visa's That's, definitely paying loads of that money is, it's to be associated hilarious. with it. There's scenes where everyone's like having a breakdown, yeah. but then you have to pause for them <laughs> to pay for their coffee on their phone. Classic. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Towie as sponsored by Visa. Yes. Yeah. So you're yeah. still a big Towie fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's more like bubblegum TV that's my release yeah. I don't have to think about anything no. I just watch that and I love it and I've actually met 
like, I'm at the National Theatre now and I've actually met and I'm not going to name names but there are many an actor and actress and we will sit and talk about TOWIE because oh, nice. we find it fascinating and as actors there is so much and I've said this before there's so many times when they forget the cameras on or even when they don't but it's such a great study yeah. of the human condition in some ways are you telling me Nathan Lane's a big TOWIE fan? no but Nathan Lane is a big Gogglebox fan is he? obsessed with Gogglebox that's brilliant obsessed that is fantastic obsessed I wonder who his favourite ones are <laughs> he likes the uh, the gay couple in Brighton yeah, yeah. of course yeah. yeah whatever they call yeah Russell, it's been a joy as ever. Thank, Thank you. you very much for this this lunch-filled discussion. Yes, for the when you nearly died. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Cheers.